We have a great, great, great show for you guys today. Wanted to thank all of you for listening. We have trades from Max and trades from Twitter that we got submitted by all of you lovely people. And then on top of that, we're going to be doing our RBs 13 to 24. So again, want to thank you all for listening. Let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go, episode number 94 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We're back again another week. We have Max and Super Producer holding it down in the land. I am in the city of brotherly love by way of New Jersey. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Pete, we're talking fantasy. I am great, man. I can't wait for this app. It's going to be a fire episode. Max, you got that post-gym glow. Did you go today? I did go to the gym. I did. I I try to go every day. All right, Super Producer, how you doing? Doing good, man. We get to talk some running backs. I love running backs, so I'm excited to get into 13 to 24. Um, I think we got a good little starting segment, too, so I think I think we're in for a good episode. Absolutely. I just want to chime in here before Peter goes here. For those wondering, on the edge of their seat, have not seen my lady friend at the gym yet, so... I'll keep uh, posted next week, but right now, nothing. He's on the prowl, respectfully. No, mm, just, just waiting to see her, man. All right, yeah, I wanted to mention this just to uh, to get us into the show, a little warm up. I saw this on Twitter. I was dying laughing at this. It was it was hilarious. Uh, did anybody out there see Elon Musk wants to fight Mark Zuckerberg? You guys saw that. I'm getting some nodding heads. Yep. Give me who's gonna win. And by what tactic, what style? Zuckerberg would win. I think the guy does like mixed martial arts or karate. I feel like he's in better shape. I'd go Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg just got choked out, though, in a tournament. And he had to issue a statement saying he didn't get choked out. I'd still go Zuckerberg. Elon Musk, I don't think he's in the best shape. I'm more of an Elon Musk fan than a Zuckerberg fan, but I would go Zuckerberg in a fight. All right. What's the live line for you, Max? I mean, I feel like Zuckerberg's got to be like minus 250. Only 250? It's going to be close. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen. I feel like you can't make it that much bigger. Um, Either way, I'm sure it'll be rigged for some money for charity, which is great. Um, But I think it would be a very well-bought pay-per-view. All right. Super producer. Yeah, I think I got to pick Zuckerberg by like armbar. It would be fun to see. I I would only lean Zuckerberg just because I've seen. I think he won a jujitsu tournament or something. There there was some type of something floating around there. So I, you haven't seen Musk really getting dirty on the mats. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting because, I mean, obviously they'll have to fight at a certain weight, but Elon Musk has like a weird build. Like if you ever see his Dude. body, like his full body profile is kind of strange. So I feel like he, 100%. Could, he probably has some weird type of strength on the ground. Yeah, I think I would probably just do Musk. I'd never put anything past him. I feel like Zuckerberg would choke. Like he would he would just overthink it. And uh, Musk would just hit him with like a spinning back fist. That would be hilarious. That would probably be the most watched GIF of all time if Musk hit a spinning back fist on Zuckerberg. But I wanted to take this one step further. Give me your NFL coach pairing that you'd love to see in the octagon. Wow. That, that is a good one. I would want to see Robert Sala. Okay. Versus, I think it's D'Amico Ryan. That would be one. That, Those are two bad. big men. Those are two strong, built, in shape men that just they would go after it. So, and in that fight, I'd probably take, I'd probably take Salah, man. I don't know, just seeing him hyped up on the sidelines, I'd probably take him. I would go with Dan Campbell Ooh. versus the field, bro. Literally anybody. Like Royal Rumble style. I feel like Dan Campbell would be this type of dude. It would be like old style UFC where they just have like five or six matches in a night, like tournament style. 
but it's just everyone versus Dan Campbell. Everyone versus Dan Campbell, one at a time. He'd bite Until, off all the kneecaps, man. But he would, he would literally bite off all the kneecaps. You're right. Um, I want to do one for Big Red. I want to see Andy Reid in the ring, but I don't know who he would fight. Who's in his weight class? Do you guys know? Maybe Dougie P. Not, I mean, maybe Dougie P. You know what? I'm gonna put one in here. I don't care about the age difference. I want to see Bill. I want to see Bill fight Roger. Roger Goodell. That would be an all timer. That that would be pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I, I like the Andy Reid. Big Red would be pretty fun. Big Red would be awesome to see in the ring. I just don't know who he would have to fight. How about Mike McCarthy versus Big Red? Mike McCarthy, Big Red in Dallas. We do it in Dallas at Jerry World. At Jerry World. And then Jerry fights Robert Kraft. Oh, man. Listen, that's amazing. Dana White, I'm putting this out there. Mr. White, if you need people to to be your idea men, look no further. Somebody get this in uh, his hands, even though I do think he's a regular. Just want to make sure he's listening this week, uh, specifically to that segment. All right. Wanted to thank everyone for making it to the episode today. We have a great one for you. Uh, We're not going to be doing reports this week. We're at that lull during the summer. So instead, we're going to be doing some trades from our realm. We've been seeing some commerce flowing uh, online and on Twitter. We received some from Twitter, some from our leagues. So we're going to break those down, and then we're going to do – RB rankings 13 to 24 last week. If you missed it, just plug in last week's episode. We did one to 12 for our RB rankings this week. We're going to be diving into the more, I'd say, bottom shelf running backs for Dynasty. And again, this is through a Dynasty lens. So some guys that have top 12 upside might find themselves on the other side of this top 24 listing because of age, etc. But Wanted to thank you all for listening. This week's episode is brought to you by our Twitter account. We said it last week. We're going to be doing it again. So go follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. We revamped it over there. Uh, we are firing off more tweets every day, just trying to keep you all informed. And uh, Jace, while he was on the podcast, said this all the time. We want to be a resource for all of you in all of your leagues out there. You can DM us there. We are pretty quick in responding if you have any fantasy advice. So again, go to at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter and find us over there. We really appreciate it. Give us a follow and turn the notification bell on if you feel so obliged. Okay, let's move into our trades around the realm. All right, Mr. Max, before we get into other people's trades, we know, the listeners by now know, Uh, did you bring a trade to the table today? I did. I did. Oh, never it, fails. It's uh, it's on the back end. I want the listeners to pay attention, kind of see what people are doing around the realm, and then they can see mine. All right. Little teaser. All right. So coming in here for our first trade is at PWIN Dynasty on Twitter, at PWIN Dynasty. It's a Superflex Start 11 league for any of those unfamiliar. Just a little bit of a deeper starting lineup here. So he sent... And again, this is Superflex. He sent Tua Tugavailoa, CeeDee Lamb, rookie auction cash. So instead of a draft, I believe they use cash. Uh, And that amount of cash is probably equivalent to a late third-round pick, what it would cost. So essentially, what what P-Win gave up was Tua, who is a a capable starting quarterback. CeeDee Lamb, probably a top six wide receiver. We'll get into him next week. Top six fantasy wide receiver uh, for Dynasty. And he was able to acquire Josh Allen, who is top three in Superflex, just overall asset. So, Max, I wanted you to start out. Moving Tua and CD essentially for Josh Allen. I think I would do this every day of the week and twice on Sunday, but I want to hear your thoughts on the on the matter. Yeah, I think he won the trade. I do. But if CD Lamb really just continues to be this dominant and Tua gets out of this year with no concussions. Cause he, when he played last year, he actually played really, really well. It was just the concussions that got him down. Obviously. Yes. I would rather have Josh Allen. I know what he's getting with the rushing upside, everything going on there. Um, but I am really, really high on CD lamb and I'm pretty high on Tua as well. So you gave up a decent amount, 
But to get Josh Allen, you got the best player in the deal, and I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think I agree with you, too, with the Allen side. I think he's the winner, and it is closer to me than it might be to you, Pete. I really do think Tua is one of those guys where, like you were saying, Max, as long as he stays healthy, I mean, he has a path to be a top-five quarterback. It would be interesting to see what the scoring settings are, like as far as if it's four-point passing touchdown or six-point, but that really doesn't even sway it too much. Maybe if it's six-point, it sways it probably closer to even to the Tua side, but I'd assume that this guy probably has some decent depth, and even if he doesn't, I mean, you get that locked and loaded Josh Allen, and he probably has another solid uh, QB2 in there, so... I think it's a really good trade. Yeah, I think the trade is essentially moving off of risk. And obviously, Allen has risk as well, but more risk. We look at Tua Tagovailoa, great player, right? He's probably a, a top 12 quarterback uh, as it relates to dynasty and, and value-wise. And we've we've gone through that. But there's a lot of risk, man. There's so much risk. If he gets another concussion this season – and his sideline for multiple, multiple weeks. I have no idea what would happen to his fantasy value. Essentially, you're moving off. You you took the time held to a until this point, and now you're moving off of that risk. And CD Lamb has a little bit more risk than I think people realize this upcoming season. He no longer has his normal offensive coordinator. Big Mike is going to be calling plays. Big Mike knows how to call plays, man. We forget about it, but uh, I don't know. And Dak Prescott does not uh, dazzle me as an option. While CeeDee Lamb is going to be the number one there and has another year to grow, I don't think top 12 is an absolute lock for him on the year as a, as a fantasy finish. And if he doesn't finish top 12 this year, the risk of holding him for even longer goes up. So I look at Josh Allen and what you got back. You got a top three dynasty asset, period, end of story, uh, especially for Superflex. So without a doubt, one of my favorite trades that I've seen in a while in Superflex, and I mean that. Let's move forward. Super producer Nick C., you had a trade. Did you want to introduce it to us? So Superflex, full PPR, start eight, and I ended up giving up Jackson Smith and Jigba, Sam Laporta, a 24 mid-second, and then – I acquired Jameer Gibbs and Marvin Mims. I'm curious to see what your guys' thoughts are on this. I mean, I look at it like I think I'd rather have Jameer Gibbs over JSN. I think Marvin Mims is worth around a second, but I'd rather have Marvin Mims and wait a year for a second. And then, like, is Sam Laporta going to make up that difference on the other side? I don't think so, not in his first year. I think you got a great value, especially getting the running back. There's wide receivers. They're all going to put up around the same especially like JSN in his first couple of years, maybe. Whereas Gibbs is going to come in there and really just dominate off the rip. I mean, he was drafted top 12 for a reason. And I think Marvin Mims is, he has potential as well there in Denver. So you gave up JSN, who is probably the wide receiver to have in this class, right? You gave up Laporta, who's arguably the third best tight end in this class, right? And you gave up a 2024 second round pick, second round picks, just send them. Send them to make the deal get done. At the end of the day, they're not going to kill you that you didn't have a second-round pick in a certain draft, right? So the way that I would value this is JSN and Sam Laporta, and you got Jameer Gibbs. I absolutely love this. And Marvin Mims is a nice little cherry on top. I'd rather have Marvin Mims than a 2024 second-round pick. So is JSN and Sam Laporta equal to Jameer Gibbs? No, it is not. Jameer Gibbs is worth more. So I love getting Gibbs on this side. And especially you're going to see a lot of that impact hit harder, faster on Gibbs, just in my personal opinion. And again, this is all just talk, but I think value-wise, you, you definitely got the better end of that deal. All right, let's move to the next one. Mr. Max, this one comes from you. Superflex full PPR, start eight league. You want to introduce it for us? Yeah, I'd love to introduce it here. Um, so I acquired Evan Ingram, George Pickens, and Jalen Warren. I gave up DJ Moore and Greg Dulcich. It was tough for sure for me, uh, but would love to hear your guys' uh, opinions. This one is interesting because it really comes down to me 
if you think Dulcich is going to break out, I really do like Evan Ingram. I think he's going to have a great year this year. And I feel like Max, we were talking about it before, uh, before the episode, but Pickens and Jalen Warren for DJ Moore is probably fair enough. So it really just comes down to that tight end swap of what you think. But I do think Ingram is, is really solid and could have a path to success, uh, especially in that Jacksonville offense. That's, looking to take that next step forward. And, you know, I don't, I don't have much of George Pickens in any of my leagues, but he could be a solid buy because he showed flashes last year and was able to put up similar numbers to Deontay Johnson on probably like 20 or 30 less catches, which is pretty insane. So for me personally, I mean, yeah, Nixie, I, I do agree with you on a lot of things there. I think that I originally wanted to do, Pickens and Warren for DJ Moore. I was fine downgrading off DJ Moore to get Pickens, who is younger. He's about four years younger. And then Jalen Warren on top. I've heard a lot of great things about Warren coming out of camp. It's only him and Najee there, man. If Najee goes down, like Jalen Warren's one of those premier handcuff running backs that you want. He's up there with like Madison was last year, AJ Dillon. Um, Those guys that you really, really want because you know he has a path to 20, 25 touches. And he's just as good of a runner, if not better than Najee. So to me, it's like I'd rather take the chance on Warren hitting and giving me some value at that running back position. And then um, the tight end swap to me was I didn't want to do it, but it was pretty minimal at best. It was really to get Warren, man. It really was. I I don't know. I, I just can't imagine downgrading off of DJ Moore just to get a backup running back. And then getting so much older at tight end. There's a method to your madness. Don't get me wrong. There's a method to the trade madness, but I just can't see it. I can at least admit that I can't see the method. I feel like Ingram and Dulcich is a lot closer, even though Dulcich is younger, but it's like, he's not going to have the production probably that Ingram is going to have even I mean, even if you give him like two more years, probably, I, I feel like Evan Ingram is going to outscore him probably the next two years. And he gets younger at receiver as well. Like DJ Moore's young, but he's not young forever. So, I mean, he's getting older. Pickens is young. And then you get, like he was saying, the upside of just having a cuff. I feel like it's enough. And like, I don't know, DJ Moore you're you're playing on the speculation that it's going to be the the whole narrative that we've talked about this whole off season, but I don't know, dude, if that goes sour and then you're staring down like a 27, 28 year old DJ Moore on a bottom three passing offense instead of a 23 or 24 year old George Pickens, it could be a different story in like a year or two. Yeah. And I also think it could be a different story if like, like I said, I get it. Injuries, whatever. You can't bank on those. You can't bake it in. But, like, if Najee goes down tomorrow, I think I could get Jalen Warren for DJ Moore to go through straight, honestly. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I could just be getting a free Pickens on top. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would do that. I would keep the running back depth if Najee went down tomorrow for the year because I really do think Jalen Warren is pretty good. All right, Mr. Max. I want to hear your trade. I want to hear – the people want to hear it right before we get into the next segment. What trade did you bring to the table today? It's a pretty good one. This is in 12 teams, super flex, full point PPR. I give you my Lamar Jackson. Whoa. Good morning. I give you my Terry McLaurin. You give me AJ Brown. Okay. You give me Russell Wilson. I can't do it, Max. Wow. I really thought you were going to, Pete. I think you boned me, honestly. I I just wanted to bring a trade to the table. I didn't have one. I figured it gave you the Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson stack. Um, and I figured Terry McLaurin is, yes, he's not A.J. Brown, but to get eight years younger at quarterback and get a stack, I really thought you'd do it. I don't know, man. Lamar is not a happy asset to have. He scares me so much, especially since he got paid and got his guaranteed money. All it is going to take for him is just like one or two bad you know, ankle twists, and he just might not come back and play his style of game again. Uh, Another thing that scares me, Terry has no quarterback to throw to him. I think Russ has a bounce back year this year. Just a lot of different factors. I mean, Nixie, what are your thoughts on that? 
I was initially like, okay, slam except Lamar Jackson side. Um, and then I, I went to take a look at PJ's team. It makes sense why he would decline just because I forget what the last trade was that you guys did. Um, no, it was to get Mark Andrews, right? So TJ gave up some depth there. And I feel like if he wouldn't have done that trade, I would have definitely done this trade instead just to get Lamar Jackson. I get it from PJ's side because it makes sense with not a ton of depth to kind of just hold on to those elite, like starting two uh, wide receivers. I still think you'll be able to get a couple first for Russ at the end of this year. He's 34. And? He's one of those guys. I mean, Derek Carr is 34 too. And you can't even get a second for Derek Carr. I don't know. Um, I think Russ is a very different player. I think the highest I'd go there, Pete, is I could add on. Khalil Herbert was probably the highest I'd go there. I think you just absolutely slam accept that. Um Lamar when you ten- won't offer it. No, I won't. But I think that Lamar is 10 times more worth than Russell Wilson. And Khalil Herbert and Terry McLaurin isn't that far off from A.J. Brown, I'm not going to lie. I think it is. But that's why trades happen the way that they do. Mr. C. I have a trade. Mr. C brings a trade from the heavens. I love it. For you, Mr. PCAT. Why does nobody want to trade with Max? We know the answer. I'm, I already no. traded with Max. So I would give you Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, a 25 first, and Antonio Gibson for Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Yeah, send it over. Mr. C, Mr. C overpays, but he gets his guy. Fair enough, Pete. Max, no, what do you I, think of that deal? I mean, I think it's pretty fair. I thought I thought that when you offered him before, it was Samaje, Javanta, and the first for just Gibbs. I thought you were maybe overpaying a little bit there. But to get Montgomery as well, I think it does help you out. I think Gibson and Montgomery aren't far off either. So I really do think it's like fair at the end of the day. Yeah, Gibbs is going to be great, but Javanta's still like 23 years old. He gets the whole backfield of Denver. And then he gets a 25 first as well. And on Peter's team, like he can take that 25 first and go out and get a guy that will immediately put up like numbers, whether that's the wider two twenty five first now. Correct. Like and if Peter, I think now is like he's got three running backs, he's got two quarterbacks. He has no depth really. So if he could go out and send a twenty five for two twenty five first and get like another wide receiver and another like two more wide receivers. And maybe like a Jared Goff or something. I think he's competing just as good as anybody. All right. Let's move into our 13 to 24 running backs. All right. We want to welcome everyone into our 13 to 24 RB rankings. So last week we went 1 to 12. This week we're going to be going 13 to 24. A little bit of a quote unquote dumpster dive. Uh, but for running backs, unless you're one of those elite tier one, tier two running backs, it's a little bit hard to find some some good values dynasty wise for these guys. But these are our consensus rankings. All of us ranked each player. Uh, and then this is the average of our three rankings. So our RB 13 right off the rip is Mr. C's guy, Austin Eckler. Uh, he's a little bit older, but Mr. C, I wanted you to tell us why you have Eckler as the number 10 overall dynasty back, despite his age and contract situation. I just think it's going to be guaranteed production. I don't think you can expect him to repeat as RB1. Um, I I want to say we talked about this a few episodes ago, but I, I think the last guy to do it was like in the early 2000s. So I think it's unrealistic to expect Eckler to do that. His target share went down Once Keenan Allen was healthy, Mike Williams was healthy. So that's another concern. They're adding another body in there with Quentin Johnson. So I'm kind of making all the negative points for Eckler, but I still think he's locked and loaded for his workload. And 
he's still going to be a red zone threat, especially in PPR. He's going to get guaranteed production. I think he'll still finish probably in the top five, but I don't think you can expect RB1 from him, which is why I think he's a little bit lower here. The contract is interesting, but at the end of the day, the running back market is just so terrible. I, it would be a bad move for Eckler to try and go to another team to get paid because he will not get paid. So I think the Chargers are going to be the best bet to actually give him any type of money. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be very interesting this upcoming season with Eckler. If you're a competitor, he's 100% worth a first-round pick. I, I cannot find myself paying more than a first and a half if I'm a competitor for a guy who's coming out on this point in his career uh, for the production that you're going to receive. The only way I would probably pay a first and a half is if it's a PPR league. Full-point PPR, I think he has the potential to finish top three again. Uh, but I think if it's half point and maybe standard, obviously not. But if it's half point, top 12 is almost a lock for Eckler this upcoming season. Mr. Max? Yeah, especially with the new offensive coordinator and just everything. Like I mean, we saw like Zeke and Tony Pollard, like we mentioned, um, in Dallas for that offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore. The only thing that scares me about Eckler is just the age and the injury history and how healthy he has been. Obviously, you can't bake that into a ranking. You can't say, oh, I think he's going to get injured, so I'm going to rank him lower. But, yeah, if you're a competitor, Austin Eckler's one of those guys that's going 101 to 103 in redraft. He's one of those guys you want. So if you can get him for a good value, like if you could get him and Henry for a couple first, man, like GG's. All right, let's move on to our number 14 consensus RB. Again, Super Producer is the highest between Max and myself. Uh, We have him at RB15, RB16. Super Producer has this guy at RB11, Kenneth Walker III from the Seattle Seahawks. Mr. C, going to kick it to you again. I want to hear why the addition of Charbonnet is not scaring you off Kenneth Walker like it is for most owners. We've talked about it. Dynasty podcasts, these are dynasty rankings. Kenneth Walker is 22 years old. A lot of these running backs are pretty old, man. I mean, they're 25, 26. I mean, Henry, older guys. Dude, Kenneth Walker, he's going to have value in the future. Whether or not his production from last year takes a hit this year is We'll have to see it because obviously Charbonnet is a good prospect coming out. So you think, okay, he'll take the third down work. He might spell him in between the twenties maybe, but Kenneth Walker's a dog, man. I don't see a world where he's just going to sit back and be like, you know what? I'm going to let Charbonnet come and eat food off my table. Like I think he's just going to go for broke and he showed it even when he played some like, 50%, 60% snap games where he's still finishing in inside of the top 10 running backs, top 20 running backs where it's like Kenneth Walker has that home run hitting speed that you can't teach. I mean, he can take one carry 80 yards to the house and I don't see that role going away. Seattle they've shown, I mean, last year was kind of a different offense for them where they showed that they wanted to pass a bit but they still wanted to pound the rock. And I think that's Pete Carroll's main philosophy is win on defense, pound the rock, kind of strangle these teams out. And I don't see them going away from that, especially adding Charbonnet, but I still think there's a good workload to be had for Kenneth Walker this year. I am so out on Kenneth Walker. It's crazy. The only reason I believe he was successful is that he got 25 plus carries every single game. With the addition of JSN, with the addition of Charbonnet, I just don't see that being a realistic. I think at the maximum, he'll get 17 to 18 carries a game. He is a fine, I'd say fine, I'd want to call him a bad receiving back. I mean, he gets like about a catch or two a game, maybe. Um, but if he doesn't score in a touchdown, and I think Charbonnet is going to be that goal line back because Charbonnet is a bigger body and just a bigger build than Kenneth Walker, I think Kenneth Walker's basically he's worth like maybe a first. I I wouldn't pay more than a first. I saw a trade on Twitter today. It was Quentin Johnson and DJ Moore for Kenneth Walker. I mean, that's crazy. All I think you could get QJ for Kenneth Walker straight. And I'd rather have QJ there. If he's not getting the amount of touches that he's going to get this year, he's not going to be good. I really do believe that. So they drafted Charbonnet for a reason. There's a lot of mouths to feed. 
Kenneth Walker is a fine running back. The system played him well, but he couldn't even beat out Rashad Penny last year at the start of the season. So I am 100% out of him. Penny's great, but if you can't beat him out, I don't want to hear your name being mentioned in this top 12, top 14. Mr. C. I see what you guys are saying, and there's valid concerns for sure, but I only push back on, and this is another guy that I love a lot, is Travis Etienne. I mean, we have him running back nine. We had Travis Etienne. There's those same exact concerns with ETN going into this season, yet we still had him at in the inside the top 10, and he's two years older than Kenneth Walker as well. I mean, I guess you can have it both ways. I get Jacksonville might be a better offense, but I think it might be it might be kind of close between them with with who's gonna put up more points. I just think Kenneth Walker being so young just I have a hard time taking him outside of the top 12, but I, I do understand all your guys' workload concerns for sure. And when we look at, like, I don't want to talk about Travis Etienne because you can catch that on the last episode, but, like, when we actually break it down, like, one, Bigsby was taken in the third round. Two, Travis Etienne has more pass-catching upside than Kenneth Walker does. So that in itself already adds something to me. I mean, Kenneth Walker is literally getting, like, one catch a game. Etienne's not that much better. He gets about two to three. Um, but just didn't take Charbonnet that early. It'd be one thing if like Charbonnet fell into their lap in like the fifth round or something. Like they took him in the second. Definitive use case for Charbonnet moving forward. I have Kenneth Walker the third at 15. I'm not scared off him if I'm an owner. I think at some point during the season, he's going to have a three or four game stretch where he absolutely pops. That's when you sell. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns in a short amount of time, and it's going to inflate his fantasy production. That's when you sell. I don't think you sell now. I think when you sell now, you're selling not at a loss, but you essentially just held value. It was a first-round pick last year, uh, and I think you could probably get a first-round pick for him this year. But uh, this upcoming season, I don't think you're going to get any kind of return. I think the return you get is when he breaks off for like a three-week stretch where he puts up you know, 15 18 and 20, three straight weeks. If you want to hold Kenneth Walker, that's a positive outcome. But then there's also the hold Kenneth Walker and reports from camp saying, oh, Charbonnet is going to be the guy. Charbonnet is going to be the guy. And then Charbonnet leads the backfield and Kenneth Walker's worth maybe a second at that point. I mean, maybe a couple seconds. Like you can look at it in the positive outcome like you did, Peter. I've had this discussion with owners that own Kenneth Walker and it's like, hey, listen, you could hold him. And yeah, you could get a first and a half, two first. But if it goes the opposite way, you're literally screwed. All right, let's keep moving forward. Want to talk about the New England Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson at 15. I have him at 17. Super producer has him at 14. Max, you have him at 11. I want to hear why. There's just no one in New England right now. Um, If Dalvin Cook goes there, I think it's a completely different story. But his pass catching, the New England Patriots receiving weapons and running back weapon, there's no one on that offense that's a skill player. Other than like Hunter Henry, man. I mean, they don't even have like a receiver. I don't even count Juju. Now it would be one thing if they got Cook and Hopkins, then yeah, I would be definitely down on Stevenson. But given his role and what I think he could do, um, I'm very, very high on him and would rather have him than most of these guys. I started to talk myself a little bit down on Ramondre. This was another guy like with Jacobs where I sold high during the past season and I still probably left some value on the table because it was like a midseason kind of trade. And I'm just like New England running back. I just fell for the narrative. And, you know, this year I I'm with you, Max. I think Ramondre is just in for a monster workload. And he showed last year that he is a more than capable running back. I mean, he had great elusiveness, everything that you could really ask for. I think the one thing that is kind of questionable is like his goal line usage. He was kind of inefficient with his touches in the goal line um, and punching those in for touchdowns. You know, that's kind of, I don't know if that's sticky or not. Ramondre could find himself in the end zone on the positive side on that. And I think he realistically has top six, top seven upside probably this year. He is 25, so that's why I had him a little bit lower, but I still think he's he's more than capable to handle a monster workload this year. 
Yeah, I look at Ramondre and I just see the Patriots running back narrative, right? Not a lot of long-term value. We've never seen a a Patriots running back have consistent long-term top 24 value in this league. I I just don't think so. And we know Bill Belichick, very finicky coach. All it's going to take is Ramondre to have two or three bad games. They draft a new running back next year. They don't decide to extend him X, Y, Z. That's the only reason I have him on the bottom half. I have no, unless I'm a competitor, I'm not investing in Ramondre. He's not a stowaway. I'm not in the middle trying to grab him. Just a steer clear for me. I, I do agree with your point of they. there's never been like a workhorse multiple seasons running back for the Patriots, but they've also never had this few of weapons and this good of a running back. I feel like Ramondre next season, like you can't be really holding him. He's one of those guys where if you have him now and you're going for it and it doesn't work out, you sell him right before the deadline. Exactly. All right, let's keep moving forward. Miles Sanders at RB16. I am by far the most bullish here. We have Super Producer Nixie at 18, Max at 17. I have him at my RB12. I'm going to give a very simple, very concise argument. He was very good on the Eagles. He had a very good offensive line, and he had to split a lot of carries. I'm going to move him now to a semi-decent offensive line. So around a mid-tier offensive line. But he is going to get the absolute work. He's going to get the work in Carolina. Talk about nobody there. There is literally nobody there in North Carolina. Sanders is 26, stepping into his prime. I think he is an absolute value right now. People aren't holding him in such high regard the way that I am. I would be happy to pay a first round pick to get him on my team if I'm a competitor. And I don't think that you have to pay that to get him. I do see that side of the argument. I do. But I he's also- just gonna get the work. He he can he can go for 90% of the snaps. He probably could. I mean in Philadelphia he averaged about 50 to 60. I get it's a new system, but for me personally, it's more of the fact that Believe it or not, really quick, not a new system. Frank Reich's his head coach there. Same offense that he was a rookie in. I mean new system in the fact that in Philadelphia, they won a lot of games. They ran the ball a lot of late games with Miles Sanders. He got a lot of carries that way. His receiving work is zero, basically. Literally zero. He had like 15 catches the entire year, maybe. I think Carolina's going to be down. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And I don't think Miles Sanders is going to be throwing the ball. Um, well, one, he's not going to be throwing it, but I don't think he's going to be catching it. So I just worry in that aspect, Pete. That's why I'm lower on him. I do believe that there's nobody there. His age is fine. He's one of those guys where you don't want to be holding him after the season, but they're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be losing games. He's not going to get those late game touches. So I don't know. I see myself kind of talking myself into Miles Sanders the more that I kind of hear you guys talk. But he's one of those guys for me. And I guess if you've learned anything so far, the guys that I've been fading going into certain years are the guys you probably want to buy into with Ramondre, Josh Jacobs. But Sanders is another one that I've never really liked and I've never really liked to have on my fantasy teams. Uh, Yeah, he was solid last year. But the Eagles were top three in rush attempts per game. Like you were saying, Max, they were just pounding the ball up big late in these games. He has more receiving upside than you give him credit for Max because his rookie year, I mean, he had 50 catches his rookie year, which is pretty nuts. He didn't really touch it the next three years, but at least he showed the ability that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And if he's going to get 300 rush attempts plus let's say 30 catches, dude, it's tough to see him. I was going to say outside the top 12, but 300's a lot, man. He got 259 last year and they fed him the ball a lot. They fed him, I, but I mean, he's playing 50% of the snaps kind of splitting with exactly. guys, though. So I, I see the argument, think, Pete, for sure. I think he's an absolute sleeper to finish top 12. And on top of that, he has top six RB upside this upcoming season if things fall the right way for him. That's gonna be that's gonna be the thing. And that's any of these later tiered running backs. There's no guaranteed production here. But if I had to place a bet on a dark horse to finish really high this season, I got it on Sanders. And not only am I 
placing that quote unquote bet, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I have him ranked as the RB12. One last thing I was just thinking about Bryce Young last year, he fed Jameer Gibbs kind of like on those checkdowns when he, because Bryce Young's elusive enough in the pocket where he's probably not going to rip off like 15, 20 yard runs coming out of the pocket. But like he's elusive to the point where he's just trying to get his guys open. And I really think he could he could see Sanders for a lot more targets than people are going to be thinking for this upcoming year. All right, let's keep moving forward. J.K. Dobbins at our RB17. I am the least bullish. I'm the big bear here at 18. Nixie at 15, Max at 14. He just scares me that offense. That offense is, outside of Mark Andrews, I don't want a single piece on my team. And there's nothing against... J.K. Dobbins' ability. We know he came back a little early last year. I just don't see a world where he outrushes Lamar and becomes the bona fide star in the run game compared to Lamar Jackson. Just having a quarterback like Lamar try to attempt design quarterback runs. When the Eagles talk about you know Jalen Hurts being a running quarterback, the design runs aren't meant to be the function of the offense but the Lamar runs are the actual function of the offense there. He's the second option in Baltimore. And I just cannot take that as a running back that I want to go into the season with. I think that's what Baltimore was in the past. They fired their offensive coordinator last year. I really Todd Munkin. I believe that they're going to throw the ball a lot more this year. They have the weapons, they have flowers, they have, Bateman, they have Odell, they have Andrews. I really think Lamar is going to be airing the ball out a lot more, and I don't think he's going to be running as much himself. Just given injury, whatever it is, I think that they're throwing it, and I think that J.K. Dobbins, we've seen the statistics and the data for coming off an ACL injury. The first year you come back, it's like you're slow. You're, I mean, he was like literally hobbling out there. But that second year, like look at Saquon, two years removed from that ACL. Look what he did last year. It's just those that you have that timeline and recovery, and J.K. Dobbins is right on that, along with a contract year for J.K. Dobbins. That's why I have him higher than most, and I also take into account the offensive coordinator change. I think the coordinator change is probably going to help him more than it hurts, just because if they end up, let's say they come out the first five games and they're just airing the ball out like crazy – it's going to be really tough for these defenses to just set up and stacked fronts on the against the offense, just expecting them to run the ball. They're really going to see some more wide open defenses. And Dobbins has showed in his career that he is super efficient with his uh, carries. And like you were saying, Max, even when he came back this past year off the ACL in those four games, he was averaging seven yards a carry and Everyone saw how he was running out there. He wasn't running right. Give him a full offseason. There's obviously the pass-catching concerns. So I think that kind of moves him down for me in, in like, full PPR leagues, obviously. But half PPR, I mean, there's guys that have around the same pass-catching upside, probably like Henry, Chubb, who, I mean, they've shown that they're an elite runner, and that's good enough to to score points. I think Dobbins is really in for a bounce back here. All right, let's keep moving forward. Number 18, my favorite value RB right now in Dynasty. Again, I like Sanders, but I love Henry. You can get him for a second-round pick from the right owner, given the circumstances and the situations. He is locked and loaded for another top 12 RB season, most likely top six. RB season that we're accustomed. It's going to be hot potato with Henry for the rest of his career. It's hold, sell, hold, sell, hold, sell uh, until the wheels fall off with him. And you just don't want to be holding that potato when the song finishes. I look at the rankings and I say, Oh, I wonder which three running backs Peter has on his team. All those guys, Pete, you're higher on them. You're trying to sell them. I understand you want to get I'm off. I'm not trying to sell Henry. I understand you want to get off Henry. You're hyping him up to the people. Nick C's not buying it. I'm not buying it. I don't need you to sell you, Henry, because I'm trying to go for it this year. I've had Henry the last couple of years, and I essentially bought him for a second-round pick years ago, and he has held his value and given me top six upside every year. He has been an absolute fantasy stud. 
I have them at RB16. Max has them at RB18. Super producer RB17. The only reason he is this high, and it is not because of his dynasty value, is because of the upside and the consistency that he has given at that position. I feel like I have nothing else to say. Everyone out there knows that Derrick Henry is going to get the rock outside of maybe seeing Will Levis play at some point this year. There's really nothing to talk about with the Titans. No, there really isn't. His age is why I'm lower on him than you, Pete, but there's not much to talk about Henry. We all know what he is. He did it. He did it without AJ Brown last year too. So want to preface that and say that everyone thought that he couldn't do it without AJ Brown. Their reports were false. He's going to do it again this year as long as he can stay healthy. And, again, it's just going to be that game of hot potato if you're an owner. If you're scared that he's going to get hurt, just sell him for a second. But you know there's going to be somebody in your league that will buy him for a second-round pick no matter what. Let's move on. Number 19, DeAndre Swift out of Philadelphia. I'm at 20. And then Super Producer and Max are both at 19. Gentlemen, he assumes the Booby Miles, the Miles Sanders role. What do you guys think? Rashad Penny doesn't scare me. I think Rashad Penny's a fine running back. That's why I'm not like too high on Kenneth Walker. He couldn't even beat out Rashad Penny last year. He can't stay healthy either. They didn't give up much for Swift. Swift is going into a contract year on a offense that Miles Sanders and him are very, very similar running backs, I think. Um, I think Swift has better receiving upside than Miles Sanders does. So that's why I'm higher than him than most. I really do think you could still, if you have him and you want to sell him, you could definitely get a first out there, late first, 25, 26 first. Um, he's one of those guys that's just a great depth piece at um, running back. I wouldn't really feel comfortable at my running back two, but like running back three, that is amazing. Swift is really interesting to me because the main point for me is just how much value that he's lost over the past like season and a half. The main thing is just injury concerns, but I don't know. I kind of shrug my shoulders at it because DeAndre Swift is that Jameer Gibbs type guy. He's never going to get 85, 90% of the carries out of the backfield. He's always going to split with somebody, but that elite pass catching upside is what you're looking for. And it'll be interesting to see if he can get that receiving work in the Philadelphia offense how much is his role going to change on Philadelphia than it was on Detroit? I think this is a great way to simplify and condense this argument into, into something that is, is palatable for people. Would you be okay going into this season with DeAndre Swift as your running back too? I just said this. It's like, eh. I probably would in full PPR. In full PPR. In full PPR. Yes. Okay. We live. Let's no. let's live in the half half point PPR just so we can reach our broadest range of people. He's gonna finish in that RB two category. He's gonna finish between twelve and twenty four. I would bet money on that. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. You are. I guess I would be too. And when you put it like that, Max. Yeah. I'd be a little nervous. I would be on the outside looking in on that. Even though I value him as a top twenty four running back, I don't think. I think a lot of that has to do with his dynasty lens. See, but let me say this. From a running back, too, like DeAndre Swift, he's going to have games where he gets you five, six points and just duds out. He gets a couple catches, mm-hmm. 20 yards in receiving, 30 yards on the ground, whatever. But he's also going to have those games where he gets two receiving touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and he has those monster games. So, like, from running back, too, am I fine doing that and risking that every week? Yeah, man, I really am. I'm fine with that from running back, too. All right, let's keep moving forward. Kendra Miller is our RB20. Rookie for the New Orleans Saints. I'm at 21. Nixie's at 20. Max is at 21. A lot of this value gets baked in with Kamara, and, and a lot of us understand this. I feel like Kendra, we understand the legal situation with, with Alvin, but I want Mr. C because I know you actually really like Kendra. Let's say he was the backup to Kamara. That was his job. Kamara was going to play the full season. Would you still be valuing him somewhere near the top 24? Yeah, I definitely would. It's just a Kamara injury away from being a three-down bell cow in that offense. Like, And Kendra can do that as well. I mean, this dude is a beast of a human. He's 5'11", 215". 
showed all of it at TCU. I mean, if you saw those games in the playoff for TCU, I mean, Kendra Miller was the engine of that offense. When he went down, they had no chance. I mean, they probably didn't have a chance with him against Georgia anyways, but he goes down. I, you know, Kendra's young. He has the opportunity. Kamara's aging. Jamal Williams is aging, even though he got money there. But I think it's going to be a slow start, and I'll probably be trying to buy Kendra Miller everywhere, like midseason. I, I agree with that statement, Nixie. I, I think coming off the rip, and especially if Kamara's playing the whole season, I don't know. I really think that he's drafted in the first – like, yes, coming into the draft, he was regarded as one of the better running back prospects. His landing spot was better than guys like – Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, all those guys. But then it's like, you're looking at it, It's like, oh, do you take Charbonnet on Seattle or Kendra on? It's just like picking the better of two evils, I feel like. And then you look at like A-Chain. I, I saw a report today that Miami offered Dalvin Cook a contract and he's mulling over um, different options. Like A-Chain, Kendra, Charbonnet. It's just like pick your poison. Like who do you really want to risk it with this year? Um, but he's one of those guys, like you said, Nixie, that I'm buying midseason. I'm not investing 107, 108 on him right now. I'd rather pay two seconds for him midseason. All right, let's keep moving forward. James Cook finds himself at RB21. Never in a million years that I thought I'd say these words. James Cook, RB21 for Buffalo. I have him at 25 outside the top 24. Super producer at 22. And then Max at 20. So we get down in this range and these next couple of guys that we talk about, I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to keep listening, but... He's just one of those guys where I see his path to success more so than the rest of the guys. I think he's a very talented running back. Um, investing in a Buffalo running back is a little risky. The big thing for him is just the pass-catching ability, and, and that's why I like him in PPR especially. I also think that um, if Dalvin doesn't go there, his only competition is Damian Harris, who's really, really bad. I mean, I don't think Damian Harris is very good at all. So I like the lack thereof competition and the receiving upside, and then also just where they drafted him last year, what in his name, I guess. It's more of a name thing for me. It's a little pedigree for you. It's it's a it's a petty 20. I mean, he's just higher than these other guys here. Mr. C? Yeah, James Cook is interesting because uh, for me, I know Max, you can probably speak to it too. This is one of those guys that's like a Twitter darling, fantasy football Twitter in particular. They just pick like – three or four different guys that all off season, they're just talking about the advanced analytics, everything extrapolating all these carries super high efficiency. James cook is him this off season. I mean, you can say rightfully so or wrongfully. So I, I, you know, we'll see this season, but he has some good efficiency numbers. I, I mean, I think his rushing yards over expected was like near top of the league. And he had some good games, you know, where he's getting 10, 15 carries, breaking off that big run. But there's got to be expectations with this guy because he might never have a game over 20 carries, even going back to his college career. And that's just going to show you what type of work Damian Harris is going to get in this offense this next season. I think Cook is going to have a role and he'll probably be somewhat relevant but there's going to be a sell high window if it's not already this off season during the season for sure because josh allen's just going to be there to vulture touchdown still and damian harris as well i mean it's going to be a he's not going to see any goal line work at all but pass catching is appealing i've never seen buffalo use a running back at a anywhere close to elite level this is why he's this low i would be extremely shocked i would be i would be astonished that's a word i would be astonished if he finished as a top 12 running back this season i'm with you man i'm curious what would you guys pay for james cook right now like if you had to buy him if you're forced to buy him in dynasty what would you pay for him i'd still pay a late first i just would not come anywhere close to that i would probably do mid-second you just you won't be able to get him for that you're either running back they're scarce Mid, late first, early second, if you can get him for that. I just think with the Twitter hype, with the advanced metrics, given his age, his name, you're not going to be able to get him for a mid-second. Number 22, Zach Charbonnet. I have him at RB22, Super Producer 21, Max at 24. 
it's tough for me with Charbonnet. I don't think unless it's like full PPR that I would take him at like 112 maybe. I, I really don't. I, I would struggle to click the draft button on him in the first round. I can't lie. But, I mean, he, he's a good prospect. He has the size. He has the pass-catching ability. You would think everything's there for him, but it's just he's on the murderer's row, man. He's got to compete with Kenneth Walker, and I think he's going to get his food ate. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. I don't think there's much more to talk about. I'm perfectly fine with taking Charbonnet if something happens with Kenneth Walker and Kenneth Walker gets traded or Kenneth Walker, you really see his shares diminish. I'd r- gladly rather pay the premium then than buy him now. A thing that's interesting with Charbonnet is he's probably, if not the, probably one of the most expensive handcuffs, especially in dynasty. Like if you have Kenneth Walker and you don't have a first round pick this year, I mean, you're probably going to struggle to buy him, and I don't think I would buy him. Like, I, if I if I'm a Kenneth Walker owner, because I would just move off Walker. Yeah, either move off Walker, or just hold Walker, because even if you do spend the capital and get Charbonnet, I don't know, man. It could just be a slippery slope of like, there's not going to be a clear guy to be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to start. Kenneth Walker over Charbonnet and then Charbonnet goes for six catches and a hundred total yards or something like that. So I think he gets the goal line work. Though. I really do. He's just a big boy, man. All right, let's move forward. Rashad white running back out of Tampa Bay. This is going to be another argument where it's just going to be utilization, but we've never seen Rashad white do it at a elite level. And that's why he's this low for us at RB 23. Yeah. The, the team's going to be pretty bad too. Um, there in Tampa. I don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, to be completely honest. The one thing I would say, I, and listen, it's a completely different offense because Tom Brady likes to dump the ball down, but Rashad White, end of the season last year, nine catches, six catches, five catches, one, four, five. I mean, if he keeps that up throughout the year, he'll be worth something in PPR. Um, And then also, like, there's no one on that team that's going to take work away from him. The backfield is Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds. So, Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker, sure, if he makes the roster. He's not on sleepers thing. If Rashad White is the guy and he's getting 70 to 80%, he's going to put up running back 16 to 18 kind of numbers. He'll have those big games where he'll go for two touchdowns and catch some balls. We know what he is. I mean, he's a fine running back too. Yeah, you said it. I feel like he's going to have way more value in season people probably don't want to trade him right now. I've tried to acquire him in a couple leagues and you're probably going to have to pay a first if you want to have him on your roster right now. I mean, I feel like fair value is probably a couple seconds realistically, but I don't think anyone's going to sell him for that. If you are holding, you could probably get a first mid season for sure for him. And and I'd probably be all for it. I'm just not going to take the risk on a guy that I'm not, too sure about do you know do you understand what i'm saying like what he's probably going for right now is a second right you can throw seconds around but certain owners really like him and in your leagues he might be worth a first to to some of these owners and they might not even take a first depending on their their level of excitement about white's uh position this upcoming season i just think it's too much too much to pay more than a second round pick for him i wouldn't sell for a second that's for sure. And I, you wouldn't buy for first. No, I'd buy. I, I, same price as James Cook. I mean, all these guys to me, like late first, you're not going to get a running back that has therefore no competition with the receiving upside that those two do. Yeah, dude, I I kind of am with you, Max. If I'm competing, I really need an RB3 or something. If I could just chuck out like a 2026 first for Rashad White. 100%. I, I I'm think probably- they're both running back twos. Like they're not. They're going to have big games. They're going to have stinker games. You know what you're getting with them, though. Yeah, and White really, I mean, with the receiving upside, too, if Tampa's, like, middle of the pack on offense, like, everyone thinks they're going to be terrible. If they're, like, middle of the pack, dude, he could have sneaky, sneaky upside. I don't know if RB1 upside, but, dude, that pass catching, I mean, you you never know if he can get in the end zone a handful of times. Like, could be interesting. You had four catches a game for like 20 yards. That's already six points. You had 
another 40 yards on the ground. You're looking at a base floor of 10, and then if he finds the end zone, that's a low numbers too. I mean, I think Rashad White honestly should be higher after talking about it. All right, let's keep moving forward. Last but not least, well, technically least. So, yes, last, Cam Akers at RB24. The dog pound man himself, him and Brandon Ayuk should be roommates. They could live outside their respective coaches' houses. Cam Akers is my RB24. Max and Super Producers RB23s. I just can't get myself to pay what an owner is going to want for Cam Akers. You think people still want a first for him? I believe people still would want a first-round pick for him. But there is just no way I would buy for a first. The the news that came out a couple weeks ago, it says Cam Akers to be central figure in Sean McVay's offense. These last five people we've talked about, they're all the kind of same person other than Charbonnet. Like, they're guys that there's not much competition. I mean, Cam Akers is competing with Tyron Williams. I get Zach Evans went there. There's not many. There's not much competition for him, especially after that report. Like, yeah, I'd pay a late first for Cam Akers with how he finished the season last year. When you look at like what he did down the stretch, it is insane, actually. I mean, over, over 100 yards, three straight games. He had three touchdowns in a game. He was getting involved decently in the passing game. Finished as a running back one, 14, and 11. It's not like Sean McVay invested money into him either. I saw something that Sean McVay got burnt by Todd Gurley so bad that he'll never pay a running back. Like, this guy's basically free to you. Run him into the ground. He doesn't care. Like you're saying, Max, I think if I was a competitor, I'd probably send over, I don't know, 25, 26 first, something like that. Just to, like, if I'm really strapped for running back help, he's going to get. 20 touches a game maybe it's tough to find that and especially he's semi-young and this will be his second year removed from that Achilles injury like that's the thing I think I, I mean you heard people talk about it a little bit but I feel like I didn't even really remember it until I was looking at his uh his sleeper kind of production that last year was his first year basically coming back from that Achilles. And, I mean, he, he still looked good another year, kind of removed from that Achilles, which is a brutal injury. People are sleeping on the Rams' offense, even though their team in general is kind of garbage. The offense still could be decent. Like, uh, Stafford's pretty much cheap. Cup is cheaper than he was. Akers is cheap. Higby's cheap. I mean, all of these guys could finish close to top 15 at their, I mean, obviously cup, but all the other guys, I mean, they're all dirt cheap and I don't know if it's justified really. There's no mouse to feed either. That's the thing with Cam Akers. There's Cooper cup and that's it. I just get scared by inconsistent people and inconsistent players. That's why I never liked Tyreek Hill for a long time. And then he got consistent and I started investing him. Right. These players that are just inconsistent, you never know which way's up. It is not fun. It is it is probably, honestly, the worst experience when you're playing fantasy football, when you have no idea whether or not you're able to start someone just because their coach thinks that they had a bad week in practice. I, I think Cam Akers is fine at this spot. But anybody that is bullish on Cam Akers, I am imploring you, I'd probably sell. If I can get a first round pick, if you can't get a first, just ride them, see what happens this year. But if you can get a first, it's an instant sell in the right spot. I'd sell them for two seconds. I can't lie. I mean, I'm talking about like, oh, he's cheap. Like I would probably buy him if I was a contender. Yeah, I'd probably buy him for two seconds. But I feel like anything that if you can get out right now with two seconds, I'm probably just going to divest because I'm not even though like I'm. I was kind of pumping him up right there. I'm not a huge Cam Akers guy. Obviously, I'd sell him for a first, but you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone to give you a first unless it's like the magical scenario where it's like the competitor needs running back, then you get a first. But other than that, like I, I would sell him for two seconds. I can't lie. All right. Any final thoughts on our RBs 13 to 24? Peter called him kind of dumpster diving. These are the guys that are going to run Winnie the League, man. I mean, 
you're going to need a couple of these guys that you buy for two seconds like Cam Akers, you buy for a 26 first like Rashad White. You're going to need these guys to put up top 12 running back seasons, and I really think it's in the cards for every single person we talked about here. I mean, there's not one running back that I don't think could finish top 12 um, given the right circumstance, even Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. If one of them goes down, the other one will finish top 12. So you're going to need these guys. These guys are very crucial assets to the team. Uh, honestly, what I like to do is not go for the star players, more go for just four or five of these running back twos, you can call them. And if two of them hit, then bang, like you're literally chilling with five running backs. All right. There's Max's piece of advice right at the end. That's going to take us to the end of the episode. Want to thank everyone for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, wanted to give a very special shout out to our Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Go give us a follow, subscribe, whatever you have to do over there uh, to spread the good word. We had a couple people reach out to some larger fantasy platforms uh, and advocate for us in uh, the open forums, which was actually really nice to see. So I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Matt Driscoll. I know he's a, one of our big listeners. So again, appreciate you, Driscoll, and uh, appreciate everyone that reaches out and has somebody listen to this podcast that they pass it along to. So again, thanks to everyone. We will see you next week. Wide receivers one to 12. Let's get it. It's going to be fire. Happy fourth. Happy fourth. Thank you for listening to the dynasty monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice, tweet or DM at dynasty monarchy on Twitter until next time. Farewell, my fellow kings and queens.